Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes host examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane, of the Apollo 13 Minute, the Rocketeer Minute, the Airport Minute, the Hitchcock Minute, and a bunch of other minutes. <laughs> and I'm Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute and guest on several other minutes, uh, also with the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And I'm Chris Henry from the Apollo 13 Minute, uh, several other minutes that these two are to blame for, and the EA Aviation Museum, where I get to at least uh, lay some of the blame with Hal here. So uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me back uh, as part of this uh, trifecta. It's, it's, it's great. And uh, we have a really special guest today. Uh, we're really excited, really honored to have Catherine Weiler on with us. Uh, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Catherine, it's, it's it's wonderful to talk to you. Uh, you are the, the daughter of uh, of our one of our favorite uh, directors here. Um, and as uh, unknown to me until I until I talked to you, I didn't realize you were one of the stars of uh, of this movie. Um, well, that's going a bit far. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a momentary screen appearance, I would say. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm sure everybody hits the pause button when you're when you're, when you're on in that in that scene. Uh, in the past, Hal and Chris and I have had uh, different people on. We've had the grand, the grandson of uh, of Charles Lindbergh, and another number of other people from famous families. I would imagine that you have, with having the the last name Weiler, you must carry a lot of weight with that. Everybody has expectations of you and has a million questions about your family and and things going on in your life. Is has it been as much of an advantage as a disadvantage in your life in, in meeting and talking with people? Oh, I think it's definitely been an advantage. Uh, I think it's been a lot of fun being being his daughter, and I and and particularly I would say because I thought he was a great guy. You know, he um, well he directed all these beautiful women, but there was never a, ever a hint of scandal. He was crazy about my mother. He was a a, a good family man, a great storyteller. Uh, you know, involved in in politics in a good way. He he was he was a great guy. Yeah, he I, I'm. I, it's so amazing that he had, had such an amazing life, and such uh, amazing talent. So much so much talent uh, really owe their careers uh, to your dad. Um, yeah, I, I've you know I can't imagine how many times I've watched Wuthering Heights and thinking if not for your dad, I don't think uh, Lawrence Olivier would have had the film career that he had. Um, it's, uh, he, he gets so involved in characters. You, you forget that you're watching a movie. You feel like you're part of the movie. And if, I I mean, if, if anything, I think that's your, your dad's style was to throw you right into the middle of the story. You weren't, you weren't sitting back and watching it like a stage play. You were part of it all. It was very intimate. Yes, I agree. Well, and something that's come up on, on this show before is, uh, you know, it's it's such a cliche to throw in words like timeless when you're talking about films. But I, something that I see with his work, and certainly, you know, best years of our lives is a standout shining example, is that it's not the kind of film, and his work isn't the kind of work we look back on and we sort of 
you know, you almost get a little bit patronizing with uh, with age and history and distance. You sort of nod and say, well, you know, for the time, this was really pretty good. And for that era, this was uh, this was well done and sort of and and everything else. And you can you can look back and say, well, it was good then. And, you know, now we've developed and grown from it. And that's not the case with this film or, or really anything other of, of William Wyler's work. It it just plane holds up it's not a good movie for an old movie it's just a flat good movie even now uh you know with 70 pushing 80 years later well you know it is and specifically best years i was thrilled a few years ago when we were very involved in the iraq war and had a lot of veterans coming home seeing best years on uh, film critics you know must see movie lists uh, because it still speaks to veterans coming home from wars and trying to reinsert themselves in society. I, I get the feeling. I get the feeling when I watch the minute that we're we're watching right now, minute eighty three is uh, Fred and Fred and Marie talking about things, and and Marie's kind of taking everything lightly. That we can go back where we started and everything's fine. And Fred uh, Fred comes in in this particular minute and tells. Uh, tells Marie, don't say that, you know, we're right back where we started because we can't go back there. I get the feeling from from this story, which had a lot of its workings with your dad sitting down and, and, and breaking out the, the canter story with, with Sherwood. Um, I get the feeling that's that's your dad's voice in there saying this is everything's changed. This is this is his own personal experience, but it's coming out of Fred's mouth. And that's very true because, uh, in fact, he uh, he was making documentaries during the war, and uh, but he was a good bit older than everyone else. He was in his early 40s. And um, on the second one that he made, a film called Thunderbolt, uh, he lost his hearing, and he was stone deaf for about three weeks, and then his hearing came back somewhat in one ear, so he wasn't totally deaf. One ear was completely gone, the other ear was damaged. So he was worried that uh, how would he direct if he couldn't hear? And uh, so, you know, he came back having to rethink his work and feeling, you know, d damaged by the war. So he, this is a film that he always said he didn't have to do any research for he knew what it was like yeah he really he he lived it it uh it's yeah it it sounds it, it, it seemed you know, for a three-hour movie with all these big name stars it still feels like a very personal story for him that he you know after his experience in making making films like memphis bell that he he lived that on the front lines there and I get the feeling that there's a piece of him in every one of the characters. I, he's he, he was in his as you said he was in his 40s, so I, I have a feeling he felt more like Al mm -hmm. uh, in coming back home, and he missed he missed out on well, on your growing up while he he was away. Yeah, and, but he that's right. He he was the the family man. Al was the family man, and my father did have two two small children. Yeah, and of. Uh, you know, just just being you know being thousands of miles away and worrying if you'll ever see them again. It's it's just a kind and missing all those all those in between years uh, while you're away. It you feel that through Al, and this is just it, it's almost like the the three men in this movie form a chorus of of what your dad was thinking about the war. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's true. It, Jim, you mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, Marie's line about, uh, or Fred's, right, Fred's response to Marie's, Marie's line. You know, don't say that. We can't go back. We never go back. But Marie's line that sets that up, I think, is just as important. And it's um, when she says, 
you know, we can have a real honeymoon without a care in the world. And then just as if nothing had ever happened, just as if you'd never gone away. And I think, you know, that's when we look back on, on World War II and that generation and, and the build, building up after the war, we're, it's tempting to think that that's exactly what happened and that that's what everybody wanted to do and everybody did. It's just we woke up, okay, we're at peace, everything's back to normal, it's like nothing ever happened. And certainly the films of, of that era, with, with this one as the notable exception, seem to treat it as such. And, and this film just came out, you know, gloves off and, uh, and just raw honesty and said, you know what, it's, things happened. It's not like nothing ever happened. Things are different. Things have changed. People are impacted. And we have to, uh, we have to look at it and we have, to, we have to deal with it. And it's just such a stark contrast from uh, some of the admittedly wonderful, you know, more direct feel-good movies of the era. And that shows that that particular minute really shows the difference between the people who stayed and the people who fought. Yeah, they, they they weren't you know they they had read about you know they they'd read things in Life magazine or, or you know look at uh, look at newsreels and things, but they saw the the the, the cover of it all. But it, underneath, there's a lot of hard emotions. Uh, you know, new you know friendships, really long term friendships, even in in short you know short meetings with others. These three guys, even though they all they did was share a plane ride home, that military experience made them you know, blood brothers and, and all this stuff. And the, the whole idea of relationships changed in, in that these guys were comrades in arms and they learned to be friends with anybody because you could count on each other. Um, and Marie didn't go through that. Marie was, Marie was at home and uh, she had a, you know, she had a husband that she'd spent 20 days with, but didn't really know much about what was going you know, I mean, their, their conversations between each other seems very, seem very light and not, you know, they, they didn't have that emotional connection. So, which must've been repeated thousands of times in the, in the military where there were a lot of, you know, um, boot camp marriages and things like that, where, yeah. where this was a common story uh, of which your dad probably heard a lot of when he was sure. you know, going on all those missions and things. He probably heard a lot of soldiers tales. You have to wonder like, you know, looking at Fred, and I know I know this happened a lot when we had our, you know, we we go out with the B seventeen. You hear these stories of the veterans, you know, they'll 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 tell us stories, and then or they're here in the museum and they tell us stories around one of the aircraft, and the family is with them. And they say he's never told us this. Could you imagine flying, you know, twenty five, thirty, thirty five missions in a B seventeen, and then coming home and you know, knowing the horrors of the things that you saw over there trying to explain it to people who never left the United States. I, I, I can't imagine what that, it would almost be like trying to explain going to the Super Bowl or something and what that was like, but not, you know, trying to explain to somebody who's never seen a football game. Um, right. Trying to explain it to a caveman or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just, you know, there's this giant significant portion of their lives that they can only share among other people that were there that would understand or, sort of speak that language yeah it, it, and it's such i i don't i think it took a william wyler to tell this kind of a story i don't think anybody who had stayed home would be able to express this on film and he's you know he saw this I, I mean maybe maybe john ford john ford was 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 also out there among people in frank capra but um no nobody like nobody like your dad had you know flown on these missions with flak coming up on all sides and uh, and having to live through it, and then come back and figure out some way of relating it to people who didn't have the experience. Um, 
it just I think it just underlines the brilliance of your dad. What I think's interesting is the the the, the original 1943 documentary Memphis Bell. It brought so first off it it was not an over the top uh you know a lot of the 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 sort of propaganda movies at that time uh cuz it still holds up. You can watch it and it's like my god, this is a really in your face look at what it was like to crew on a B17 in World War 2. It 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 still very much stands up. It's, in my opinion, it's one of the, the the reasons why the Memphis Bell survives today. When they made that film, uh, the aircraft became famous. It went on a war bond tour. It was found in Altus, Oklahoma, and a reporter associated it with the film, with the documentary, and said, you know, oh my God, you know, look, this is in a boneyard, and people got active and saved it, all because of that documentary. Uh, and Catherine, you're... 1989 movie i mean that's the reason why the aircraft got restored and put in a permanent home i mean so it i always thought it was interesting that um sort of a father-daughter series of movies really helped save one really important artifact from world war ii yeah that was a very nice side side event that happened because of the films uh- I, I, I want to talk more about Memphis Bell, but uh, we're kind of running out of time in this in this minute. But we can we can continue this conversation tomorrow. Uh, I'd like to remind people that uh, uh, you can find uh, this podcast if you if you're enjoying our podcast, which I hope you are. Um, you can find us uh, the Best Minutes podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, or over at the main site, the uh, thebestminutes.com. Um, if you'd like to reach out, we always are interested in hearing your thoughts and your own questions or, or comments on, on what's been going on. Maybe you have a, a World War II vet in your family who'd like to talk about talk about what their experiences were. Uh, go over to on social media at Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives uh, Listeners Cafe over on Facebook or on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Um, again, we are all part of, uh, of a group called uh, Movies by Minutes. Uh, we do, as, as you're hearing, we do uh, one minute of screen time per episode on our, or, you know, thereabouts. We usually go far afield of that. But uh, there's over 180 different uh, Movies by Minutes podcasts out there, uh, which are available on moviesbyminutes.com. So uh, go check that out. Uh, but anyway, we'll continue this conversation uh, tomorrow, next time, on the Best Minutes podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.